great to be with you today. You can turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. What I'm going to share with you right now has nothing, uh, not maybe not nothing, but not much to do with my uh, sermon today. But uh, when you hear the word progressive, um, uh, maybe you think of politics, progressive politics, or maybe you think of insurance, um, progressive insurance. This isn't a commercial, by the way. Uh, The word progressive, uh, the the word that means that we're taking a step forward, that we're moving away from the past and we are making progress. We are making progress. Uh, Maybe, how how about the other word that I want to share with you this morning uh, by way of intro? Innovation. Innovation. Uh, When a company claims that they've done something innovative, is that good or bad? Most of the time in our mind, uh, we think of it as good and progressive, too, to make progress. I want to encourage you, those two things are awful. Those are awful words when it comes to the study of God's Word. They're horrible. They're horrible. Can I, I'm, I'm looking for bigger words right now. Uh, they're death. They're death. Uh, and you're saying, well, why? Like, I've always loved those words, progressive, innovative. In fact, uh, some of you work in industries where your job is to be innovative, to do things that have never been done before, um, which Ecclesiastes says isn't true anyway. But um, uh, when it comes to the study of Scripture, we come to God's Word, and this is the perfect and complete Word of God. Now, why would progressive or innovation, why would that be a problem when we come to the Word of God? Um, it's like uh, when you have the right answer on the test and you change it to the wrong answer. It's the idea of finding and finally arriving at the place you should be and saying, oh, I'm just going to go on to the next town. Uh, it's the idea of moving away from what God has spoken to you. And so I want to encourage you as we go to God's word uh, to have this in your heart. Uh, as you have this Bible uh, and you open it up or you hear it preached or, or you study it, uh, that you're looking for God to instruct you. You're looking for God to change you. Uh, the problem is for many of us as we go to God's word, we, we're arguers. And uh, and we go, oh, wait a minute, God, I have a better idea than you have. Uh, I've spoken to some people. I got some uh, progressive ideas that you may not have thought of yet. Uh, I, I got some innovation that, you know, I, I got a better idea. I, I can build a better mousetrap here. And I, I, I want to tell you that God is sharing with you the right answer. And this isn't just for your generation. This is for the generations to come. Uh, when it comes to morality, when it comes to what God has outlined for us to obey, for our kids to obey, for our grandkids to obey, uh, this idea that we can move it around and it's kind of a fluid thing and uh, it, it can be anything you wanted. And this is just the way our culture is going for us to remember that this isn't about pro- being progressive or innovative. This is about hearing from the God of the universe who gave us his perfect and complete word of God, his words to us. 
should bring us humbly before his timeless word uh, that we should submit to it and that we should receive the blessing from walking in, in his footsteps of following after him. Which brings us to the meaningless things in our evil world. Uh, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 9. God's word says this. Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from prison to the throne, though, his, though his, in his own kingdom he had been, a, been, uh, been born poor. Verse 15, I, I saw all the living who had moved under the sun along with that youth who had stand in the king's place. There was no end of all the people, all of whom he led. Yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and a striving after wind. God, we thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for your patience with us. We thank you for your willingness to speak to us in our ignorance. And God, we ask that you would bless this time. You would guard my uh, mouth from error, uh, also from a graceless message. Uh, God, do your work in me and in the congregation as we all look to you for your message to us. God, thank you for this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we looked at uh, meaningless things in an evil world. Uh, and there were four or five of them as we went through them. And as we ended, we ended with a, a man, uh, a wealthy man who was gaining his wealth for no one. He was working for no one. Uh, and you see it down in verse 7. It says, again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no, uh, no other, either son or brother, yet there is no uh, end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? It spoke of a man, we looked at it last week, of a man who lived by himself and had no offspring, no siblings, and yet uh, he was working super hard to get wealth, but not to share it, not to bless others with, but just to accumulate it. Um, and sitting on his pile of wealth uh, left him empty and a part of this meaningless life, a striving after the wind, because there was no one to share it with. There was no one uh, to be living for down here on this earth. 
it's uh, on, on that basis we come to verse 9. And we're going to see really two meaningless, more meaningless things, uh, meaningless things in this world, this evil world. Um, and really, this morning is a good morning because it gives us some better things out of this meaningless life. Uh, we're looking for those things that are better. We realize that all of life has a sense of meaningless to meaninglessness to it, uh, but we're looking for those things that are better to fill our lives with, to bring about some sense of meaning. And we come to verse 9, and we're just going to title this section, Meaningless Selfishness. Selfishness. And he says this in verse 9, Two are better than one. Two are better than one. Uh, that's kind of the overall teaching of this section. Two are better than one. Very quickly in many of our minds, because you've heard pastors talk about this, you say, oh, the marriage passage. The marriage passage, and Jesus is coming in at the end. Okay, we'll get there. I want to tell you, this is not a marriage passage. It's not. But it's not not a marriage passage either, okay? Pretty sure that's not the right way to say that, but you knew what I meant, right? It's not not a marriage passage either, okay? Two are better than one. And what what the picture is, is the idea of being alone is not what God has for you. It's not the way to live this life. What we often think is we think of this is I, I work alone. I work alone. I'm very focused, and so I work alone. I can't uh, have someone work with me. They can work after me. After I'm done, they can come up and clean up or you know do something else, but I work alone. Sometimes we say phrases like this, if I, if I want it done right, I need to do it myself. And by myself, uh, because other people will mess this up. Other times, uh, sometimes within a family, a couple, we have this attitude that says, uh, hey, we get more done if we divide and conquer, divide and conquer. You work over there, and I'll work over there. Each of us alone. Each of us alone. Other times we say... Um, better to do it my own way. It's better to do it my own way. I, I don't like working with other people because they have different ideas and their ideas aren't that great. And so I like to do it my own way. Some of us are even more clear and we say, well, if I work with someone else, if I have a partner, I don't get to do what I want. I don't get to have it my way. Some of us say some of the greatest games of life are solitary. I remember uh, I went to college many years ago now, and I had uh, I lived in a two-bedroom apartment. Uh, there were six of us, six guys there, which that's not the way to live either, by the way. Uh, but uh, but. Uh, I remember uh, we got on a kick of playing solitaire. 
And we only had one deck of cards in our apartment. And so uh, you could keep the deck of cards and everyone else would watch while you were playing solitaire. Nobody figured this out, that we could have played a different game where all of us. But, but there was this one. It was a focus on one. Some of us, uh, we live our lives focused on one. Others of us, uh, we say, well, I don't play solitaire anymore. That's an old person's game. Candy Crush, Alto's Odyssey, Pump BMX, Sudoku. Uh, we have other things that we do by ourselves. And our life is, is lived right here. It's in our own person. It's in our own head not shared with one another. The scriptures say two are better than one. Two are better than one. He goes on to describe what this looks like. He says uh, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Uh, This brings up some more of this language of profit, of profit. Uh, It's good business. There's a reason. It, it, It makes sense to have two. And the, the sense here is that it brings about a better return if there are two of you. Some of us are fighting against this right now, and you say, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, you know, maybe it's the wayward two, by the way. Uh, some of you say, well, if I work with my husband or I work with my wife, we just fight the whole time because we're always trying to get our own way. Uh, the point is, that you shouldn't be together working, fighting, that you should wor- learn to work together. Because all of us have some uh, things that we need to learn and fix, right? Two are better than one. It's better for us to be together. Two are better than one. And he says there's a profit. There, there's an idea that you can get more done together uh, than when you're apart. I, I know I've shared this before, but we were, uh, it was a work day here at Bear Valley Church. I was a youth pastor and felt like I needed to get up and go to the work day being youth pastor. I probably was told, by the way, uh, to go. And I was raking uh, dirt and leaves and clippings from those beautiful junipers outside the fellowship hall. And uh, I remember uh, one of the, the older ladies of the church asked me, hey, uh, I was scooping something up, and she says, hey, can I give you a hand? And I said, no, I got it. I got it. I'm fine. And she looked at me, and she smiled, and she said, my husband and I have been married over 50 years, and we've just figured out that pretty much every job is better if there's two of us on it. And I thought to myself, you just taught me a lesson here at church. I look at this, and I go, it's better if we work together. It's better that we are together. Um, where does this apply? I want you to think through in your own life. I'll get to some applications at the end. But I want you to be soaking this in through your mind right now. And remember, you know, this is selfishness is meaningless. I, I want to tell you, some of you say, well, I'm not being selfish. I just like being alone with myself, by myself, the way myself I like it, you know. I, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, you sort this out for your life. There's thousands of applications to this for you. Two are better than one. He goes on to say, verse 10, uh, and, and really he's giving uh, 
I want to say this next, these next three things we mentioned is kind of life as a journey. There's pictures of on the road of life. As you're living out life, as if you can picture it as a road. Uh, by the way, it's probably not a highway, right? Uh, it's probably more of a winding road of life, right? Life is a journey. And so if life is a journey, he's going to give us three things that would be better to be together. And the first one is this. Uh, he says in verse 10, he says, For if they fall, uh, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and he has not another to lift him up. Falling. If you picture yourself on uh, a deserted road, you're walking by yourself, and, and you trip and you fall, and there's, you look around and there's no one to help you. There's no one to help you. Um, th- there's People die that way, right? Uh, we realize the idea of hiking is, is the same deal, that, that you should hike with somebody else. You should never be alone. And some people say in their mind, well, well I have my cell phone. I have my cell phone. I, I have some kind of device that makes null and void the Holy Scriptures. We figured out a way around it. We figured out something that... It's no longer better that two is better than one. I want to tell you that's not true. It's not true. But he says that for one, if he falls, if he falls and there's no one to pick him up. I I realize that uh, for some of you, this is a very um, important truth right now. It's a phase of life. You're, You're concerned about being alone. And you're you're making sure and you're, you're thinking through, uh, are there people checking up on me? Am I with other people because I need other people? I want to tell you, this is a, not a passage for old people. It's a passage of truth for every people. Every phase of life, every age that goes on, two are better than one. I, I, I struggle with this because uh, in our world, I feel like we're constantly pushing to be alone. We're constantly pushing to not have interaction with real people. Uh, I remember uh, my uncle used to talk about the ugly teller. And I heard him say it one time. And he, he said a lot of inappropriate things. But uh, I was thinking, who is he talking about? But he's talking about the ATM. The ATM. You don't have to talk to anybody, right? Just a call. Just peach money out. Great deal, right? You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to have any interaction with a real person. So it doesn't matter what kind of attitude you have. The ugly teller doesn't mind, you know. Uh, I want to tell you, uh, two are better than one. The idea of us being with people is God's intention for us. As we look at this, we see falling as one of those things. He, he goes on in verse um, 11, uh, and he says, Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Ha, ah, we figured it out. We figured it out. Electric blanket, right? Uh, ladies, you don't need a husband. You don't need a husband. You need an electric blanket, Right? And you, you get this picture, you get this picture of being on the journey, 
stopping out, uh, exposed to the elements, and, and two are like coming together, coming together. Even the, the simple breath of another in a tent will heat that tent more than the outside, right? And, and you realize that there's these things along life's journey uh, that God has designed so that when you fall, you're not alone. When your life falls apart, there's someone to pick you up. I want to tell you, this is, this is part of the reason you need to be at church. And I've said this before. I'll say it a lot more until you kick me out, right? Uh, if your life is falling apart, don't stay home. Don't stay home. Bring, drag as many pieces of your life as you can and let us be a part of that. It's not for you to fall apart at home and then to come and put, uh, hey, we got it all together here at church, and when we get it all together, we'll come to church. It's the complete opposite. And by the way, you'll never have it all together, so you should always be at church, okay? That was good marketing right there. Falling and warmth. Lastly, security. Security. Protection. In verse 12, he says, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. Pictures the lone traveler by themselves. And and those who want to take advantage, those, those, those that want to either steal from them or, or take them down or beat them up or, or something else. And, and there's one by themselves and they look and they say, it's one, we got him. But two can create chaos, right? It's meant for protection. That, that you're supposed to have that partner, a buddy, if you will, right? I, I want to tell you that this is the, the importance of us being together. Uh, it, it's interesting, I, and I, I shared with you a little bit about this in the previous months, but um, some of us have crazy ideas, right? It's good when somebody else, that buddy, comes in and, and rescues us from them. It's, it's that idea that says there's protection in another that you don't have alone. Two are better than one. As we look at this, we realize that um, there's safety in that. And this last part of this section, it says a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And I'd say it this way, if one is bad, two is better. Three is even greater, even greater, right? The idea of three. Some have said that this is Christ, that this is Christ. There's really no indication of that in the Scripture, and yet uh, that is true. That is true. The more you're connected with Christ, the stronger it is you are in this life. And as you gather others around you, a husband, a wife, uh, a partner, a friend, as you gather together around Christ, there's a great strength in coming together. And, and this idea of uh, adding to this is great. And it, it kind of sets aside this idea of meaningless selfishness. I want to tell you, to, to seek to be alone all the time is selfish. It's selfish. And maybe no one's ever told that to you. And maybe I'm the first. And maybe that's not a good idea to be the first to tell you something like this. But this idea that we're seeking the corners, we're seeking to get away, no, 
God for us, God says to us, who are better than you? And I want to tell you, there's this idea that we should catch ourselves in that. Catch ourselves. Uh, when you're looking down at your phone and there's real live people around, live ones, you know, who breathe and stuff, and you can really uh, talk to people. Put it away. Put it away. Put it away and seek those real people. If you're alone, if you live alone, uh, seek to get out. Seek to get out. If you eat alone, if you eat alone, invite people to eat with you. Pay for them. It's a small, it's a small price to pay so that you can have the benefit of being with other people. It's a blessing to you. As we look at this, we realize there are many applications for this. Three is better. Uh, two, uh, two is better. Three is greater. You may still be arguing with this. You say, it's better to be alone. I can eat what I want when I want. I can watch TV and choose the movie I want. I can just care about myself. Bad idea. Bad idea. What does this mean for you? Well, it could mean a lot of different things. I, I warn you that some of you, uh, some of us think this way, that, that as we look, at, uh, we look at a project and it's uh, too big for us, and we go, oh, man, i got a lot to do. And you say, the Holy Scripture says two are better than one. I'm going to look for someone that can make my life easy. And then he says, yeah, the pastor said that if two are great, three are even better, right? I'm going to look for a couple of people to make my life easy. That's not the point. That's not community when you are looking for people to do it for you. For the young, uh, I want to encourage you uh, to seek to have people around you. If you're not married, to be uh, with other people, to seek to be with other people. Uh, young people especially, they get weird. They get weird uh, if they're alone. They get crazy ideas. Crazy ideas. Uh, for the young, you should seek marriage. You should seek marriage. And you say, well, how do, how do I go about doing that? Well, first of all, you get ready to get married. Get ready. And you say, well, I don't have anybody. First, get ready to get married, okay? It's the idea of walking with the Lord, of cherishing Him, of of growing up as a man or a woman, getting ready to be a partner with someone. I want to encourage you uh, to esteem marriage, esteem marriage in your own heart and mind, to think good of it. Uh, in our culture today, it's just it's a bad deal. It's a bad deal. Uh, people have the idea that you, you live life until your life is empty and then get married. <laughs> but in reality, your life is empty. Uh, so you should get married. So you should get married to partner with someone because two is better than one. Some people say, well, I, you know, um, I'm building my career right now. I want to tell you, that's all fine and dandy and everything. But your career is just a way to provide for family. Uh, it's something to do that you would provide for the needs that you have. It's not something worthy of your uh, exclusive attention to the neglect of seeking a partner to share it with. For those who are older, um, I want to encourage you uh, 
Don't isolate yourself. I know it's hard. I, I know that uh, it, it's hard to come to the end of your life and you want to protect and keep the things that, the way you wanted them. You've lived your whole life setting things up this way. You want to keep it that way. I want to encourage you not to. Don't look for a cave where you can hide in. Look for a place where you can share life with those around you. To look to be with people. To let others in. Don't think the idea of independence is a great word. But rather that you would live in community until the Lord takes you home. So think of it this way. We're better together. We're better together. And to say this too, that life was meant to be shared. Life was meant to be shared. Second uh, point this morning in verse 13, we see meaningless political power and popularity. Three people. He goes in verse 13 and he he speaks better. And when you hear those words better, we already heard it once, right? Two are better than one, right? When you hear those in the... In the midst of the book of Ecclesiastes, your ears should perk up. Why? Because everything is meaningless. And so when you see everything is meaningless, you're looking for something that is better. So two are better than one. But also he's giving us something in the midst of politics, leadership. He says this, better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. As we think about things, If you were to hire someone, if you were to have a leader, if you were to choose a president or a king or any kind of leadership, what would be the best choice? What would be the best choice? What would strengthen your opinion of the leader? Most of the time we think someone who is rich, someone who is rich. And we have logic behind that too, right? We say, well, if someone's rich, they have, you know, an industry. They're, they're people who get out there and do it. They have ideas and thoughts, and they get up early, and they stay up late. They're willing to work hard. And not just hard, but smart, because somehow they became rich. And so it's a good idea that they're rich. How about old? How about old? Uh, the idea of someone who has experience who has walked a few miles, who has done this before. We, the, the idea of experience, oh yeah, that's a good thing too. So if you can have someone rich and old, now we're getting someplace, right? Uh, we think of someone who's a king. Uh, when you think of a king, you think of someone who knows about power, who, who knows about being at the top and that, that idea of being able to uh, lead and to protect and uh, really to... Uh, get everyone to work and follow in a particular way. Sounds like a good idea. So we have a rich, old, a king. How about the rags to riches stories? Love those, right? Started out with nothing, and now they got everything. That's that's even better than just being rich, right? Um, our son and I, we, we always think it's funny. We, we talk about starting out and our president said something one time. He said, uh, you know, when I started out, I didn't have much. And um, I got a small loan from my father of a million dollars. 
And uh, we, we love that. We, we think that's great. He keeps asking me if I have that million to give him. Uh, and I said I could write him a check. I don't know what, what, why that bothered me. You know. But uh, th- this idea of rags to riches, we love it. We love it. It shows can, people can be successful, rags to riches. Um, we look at this and we say, this is the way to choose a king. This would be the best. This would be better than anything that we could imagine. And yet you look to God's word. Look to God's word. He says, better was a poor and wise youth. Better was a poor and wise youth. Uh, this makes most of us nervous, right? Did you see this group over here? Did you see this group here? And you say, would, would you trust him to be our king? Would you trust him to be in charge? Would you give him the keys to the church? Would you give him the keys to the car? Would you give him the keys to the shed? You know, uh, uh, what would you trust him with? And I want to tell you that we should trust them, even if they don't have any money, even if they don't have any money. Uh, but if they're wise, if they're wise, they have wisdom that comes from God. That trumps all. That trumps all. And I, I want to say it this way. Um, the picture here is wisdom is the key. It doesn't exclude those who are old. But what makes the difference is not riches, not story, not age, n- not anything, not anything other than having wisdom. It, it speaks of a man, and some suggest that this is Joseph in the book of Genesis because of the life that he lived and uh, the times that he had poverty and really went from uh, being incarcerated to uh, the throne. But we don't know. He doesn't give us a, a picture. But he says, better was a, a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. By the way, when you get older, when you have experience, when you've uh, got degrees and all these things have accumulated, the idea of taking advice sometimes becomes, no way. I've got all the information. Uh, that's not wise, by the way. Uh, wisdom is that we would continue to take advice our whole life. He, he goes on to say, uh, verse 14, for he went from prison to the throne uh, through his own kingdom. He had been poor. So we have one that had been poor and in prison. So he comes from nothing and really a, a terrible situation to the throne. And then he goes on to describe this one again. And he saw all the living who would move under the sun along with that youth who would stand in the king's place. And he describes what uh, this king would have. Verse 16, there is no end to all the people of whom he led. The idea of being a huge group of people. Yet those who would come later will not rejoice in him. He describes all these things this king might have. And in the end of his life, at the end, when he is gone, he is gone. There's a sense of emptiness to that, too, that he will be forgotten and people will not rejoice in him. And all this this uh, suggestion is this, that uh, political power and popularity is fleeting as well, is meaningless. It's not something 
uh, to be cherished above that which God has provided and really above wisdom. And so today, uh, what a blessing that he gives us two things that are better, right? Pure better than what? Better. And he also says wisdom is better. It's better than uh, experience. It's better than wealth. It's better than having traveled a long time and experienced much. It's better than a rags to riches story. Wisdom is better. He comes to the end and uh, he says what he has said over and over again. He says, surely this also is vanity and a striving after wind. And as we look at this, and one of the great themes is the brevity of life in the book of Ecclesiastes. And you have this idea of this young king coming to the throne and rags to riches and all this. And at the end of his life, uh, his life, even all his great accomplishments, are determined to be vanity and a striving after the wind. And one of the great things for us here today is that we are hearing this message from God in the midst of life. We still have breath. And so what this is, is to turn our focus and to turn our steps away from a life that is meaningless to that which is better and that which is following after God. And so our life will not be striving after the wind as we walk with Him. few things, few questions, clarifying questions this morning. First one is this, are you seeking selfish aloneness or partnership, community, and companionship? What are you seeking? As you think through your life in the next days and years, are you seeking to get away from people, set up things the way you want, or are you seeking the idea of companionship, partnership, community? Second clarifying question for us this morning, are you seeking wisdom or are you seeking accomplishment? Are you seeking to uh, build your resume of things that you have done and the, the reasons that you're great, or are you seeking wisdom? And lastly, is your life shaped by the timeless and comfortable truths of God's Word or the progressive, innovative thoughts of man? What's shaping your life? Do you hear these things? Are they marching on you from here today? The idea that i got to change some things. To look to God's Word, I, I want us to be in this, not just to get smarter, but to change, to change, to trade in. Uh, you like trading in your cars. Why do you like trading in your cars? It's real simple. Because you're getting something better, right? If your old car's not working right, get rid of it, you get better. But this is what we're doing here every Sunday morning. We're coming in. We're trading in our thoughts that are broken, uh, lots of things. You know, it's a, definitely a fixer-upper. needs more TLC than we have, right? Our own thoughts. We're trading those in for that which is new and timeless. I hope this is helpful for us as we look uh, to life. Couldn't be more practical this morning. The two being better than one. Let's pray and ask that God would remind us of these things in the midst of life. God, thank you. Uh, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of your word. Uh, thank you for instructing us and changing us. God, I ask that you would remind us of these truths. Um, 
probably in a bunch of different ways, but Father, just we ask that your spirit would continue that work in us. Uh, God, teach us. Uh, we are prone to selfishness, prone to pride of our own ideas. And God, we just ask that you would change us to be more like you. We thank you in Jesus' name.